ready this morning for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. Well, here we are. We are in part 16, already part 16 of a series that we're simply calling Breakthrough, Live by Faith, Advance with Grace. We're taking 18 weeks to talk about the book of Romans, to find out what is Paul talking about when he's addressing the church in Rome, and really how does that apply to our lives today? Because we have a choice when we're reading the Word of God, we can read it just as it is and not really apply it, or we can personalize it to our lives today. And I want you to know, and I've said this hundreds of times and I'll continue to say it, I believe that every portion of God's Word is is applicable to our lives today. Therefore, we've got to do what we can. We find out the context of what's going on, and let me encourage you, do that. Figure out what's happening in the time period of what's happening in the culture, what's happening before and after this phrase or this scripture or this text. Don't just grab individual texts and say, well, isn't that awesome? The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. That means I can go outside and pick up a car. That doesn't mean that. That's not what he's saying. Okay, so we got to make sure we apply it appropriately. So that's what we're trying to do in and through this study on the book of Romans. And I hope and I trust that by this point in the series, 16 weeks in, that we've begun to see a few things surface to the top. We kind of sifted through some of the junk. We've kind of worked through some of the things. And God is pulling some things to the top of the surface that we need to deal with in life. Because if we don't deal with it, guess what? It's always going to be there. We're always going to have those same issues. We're always going to have those same struggles. We're always going to face that same opposition if we don't deal with it in the moment and rid it from our lives. There's got to be a breakthrough. Amen? Amen. So let me encourage you, if you haven't been reading along with us in this great book of Romans, start back at the beginning, begin to process through. Maybe you want to read it uh, one chapter per week for the next several weeks. Maybe you want to read you know, three or four chapters a day, whatever that looks like, but really let God's word become alive in your life right now, here and now. Well, today we find ourselves in Romans chapter 14. And this is a point where Paul is beginning to deal with people issues. Did you know that sometimes relationships can be messy? Come on, right? Sometimes we have struggles with people. There are some people that just drive you up the wall. There's some people that you click real well with. I mean, maybe you haven't even seen them for three or four years, but you step back in that conversation and it's like you never parted ways. But sometimes relationships can just be messy. Not always do we think the same way. Not always do we see eye to eye with one another. Why? Because we all have opinions. We all have thoughts. So Paul's beginning to talk about the fact that there's a way, a specific way, that we need to deal with our relationship with one another. After all, Jesus himself said the greatest commandment is that we love God with all that we are and, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, you say that all the time because sometimes we forget. 
right? Sometimes we just kind of get into the routine of life and we, we forget that our responsibility as a believer, as a follower of Christ, is to love God with all that we are. But that love doesn't stop there. That love must extend to those around us. What kind of love is that? It's a Christ-like love. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that doesn't have strings attached. What's in it for me? No, 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 no. What can I do for you? And here, Paul is writing to the church of Rome in, in, in chapter 14, verse 19. Our text says this, So then, let us pursue. Look at your neighbor this morning. Say pursue. Let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. I wonder, what are you pursuing in life? If I was to, to stop this moment and to go around the room and one at a time, I was to look you eyeball to eyeball and I was to say, Emma, what are you pursuing in life? And I was to go around the room, Brittany, what are you pursuing in life? How would you respond? Some of us would say, well, I'm pursuing the greatest job that I can ever accomplish. I'm pursuing this career. I'm pursuing money. If I could just make more money, I'm pursuing fame or popularity. I'm pursuing fun. I wonder, what are you pursuing in life? Oftentimes, we are in pursuit of whatever can bring us self-satisfaction or personal gain. That's what culture is leading us to. But I want to take a few moments, and I want to break this text apart. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Let's break this apart. First, the word pursue. By definition, the word pursue is this. To run, and that's hard because many of us don't run to anything, to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing, to run after. That's the word pursue, to run swiftly towards something. You're, you're eager to receive it. You're eager to achieve it. This week, I ran with pursuit to get a McRib. Come on, somebody. They came out two days early. I mean, that's the grace of God right there. That's the goodness of our Heavenly Father right there. They weren't supposed to come out till November 1st, and I got it two days before. Come on. In pursuit of. What are you running in pursuit of this morning? Number two, the word peace. In this particular moment, it's defined as, I love when you define a word with the same word. It's defined as peace between individuals. Now, this isn't just a, a personal peace. We want that. There's a lot of chaos in this world, a lot of unrest in ourselves, in our physical being, in our emotional well-being. But in this moment, it's talking about a peace between one another. It's walking in harmony 
with one another. Now the music side of me pops out here, and, and I think harmony, I think things are, are sounding right together. They are moving forward with purpose. There's not this dissonance or uh, clash in the tones, but suddenly it all fits, and it's like that aha moment when everything falls together. That's what we're in pursuit of, a piece that binds everything together, that pulls this chaos of life into a harmony moment. And then there's the word upbuilding. By definition, it's the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, happiness, and holiness. So I began to think about this text this morning, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding, and I decided to do something to, to help us really clarify what it means. I took out the word pursue and the word peace and the word upbuilding, and I placed in its place the definition. So here's what we discover. Our text means this, so then let us run swiftly with the intent to catch what makes for peace and harmony between people and for the act of promoting growth of wisdom and happiness and holiness in and among fellow believers. Oh, come on. That's good. That's what we've got to grab a hold of. We've got to learn to run swiftly with this intention to bring about a peace and a harmony with one another, to promote one another, to encourage one another, to help one another, not just to sit idly by and let the world pass us by. You see, our greatest purpose as a believer is to worship God. But right there, right amongst that, is our relationship with one another. What are you doing in your pursuits of this relationship with fellow believers? Oh, pastor, I just come in on a Sunday morning. I just find my spot. I really don't talk to anybody. I, I just kind of sit there, and I'll raise my hand every now and again, but not really pursuit of anything. You've missed the point. This is our opportunity to sharpen one another, to encourage one another, to pursue this idea of upbuilding and, and, and helping one another in our walk with Christ, to eliminate the loopholes, if you would. In essence, this is what we're getting at. Listen carefully. If you are causing... And I struggled with this, but I felt that we got to share it. If you are causing disunity, strife, or simply stirring issues, according to our text that we just read, you need to repent and turn back to the plan that God has set in motion. Well, listen. If you have found yourself walking in opposition to the text this morning, not my words. But the words of God, which calls us to pursue, to swiftly move toward this intent of nourishing and encouraging and helping and upbuilding one another. If we find ourselves walking in opposition to that, in this idea of disunity and strife, or just stirring the pot, then we found our place, or found ourselves at the place 
of needing to repent. What does repentance mean? It means turn around and go the opposite direction. To repent and turn back to the plan that God has set in motion. Because here's what we discovered. Paul gives us three possible negative results to my actions. Now, I've personalized that. It says my, but as you're reading it, it's you. Okay? So, possible negative reaction or results to your actions. Number one is this. My actions could cause other believers to stumble. My actions could cause other believers to stumble. Verse 13 says this. So let's stop condemning each other. Let me pause. Does that mean that we accept every behavior? No, 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 no. Sin is still sin. Wrong is still wrong. Regardless what culture would try to tell you, wrong is still wrong. But we don't condemn. We, we point out the error, but we love our brother and sister through that situation with the goal, with the intent of helping them to grow in the relationship with Christ. Let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. This word stumble, it means to cause another believer to fall back into a sinful nature, to violate their own spiritual conscience. The Bible says that what I do has the capability to cause another believer to fall away from Christ. One translation says it this way, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So we make this conscious decision. I resist the urge. I, I, I determine in my mind I will not place a stumbling block. I will not cause my brother and sister in Christ to stumble in the faith. I make a decision today. I make the choice. So I wonder what effect is your life having on the lives around you? Do your choices cause others to stumble? Oh, I hear some of you thinking right now. You're saying, well, Pastor, that's not my problem. That's their problem. They get to make the choice. Well, not according to God's Word. God's Word says your actions have the capability of bringing about this falter or this failure or this struggle in someone's life. My actions could cause a believer to stumble. The second thing we see in Paul's writing here is my actions could cause other believers to be distressed. Verse 15, the very beginning. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, and we'll talk about that in a moment, you are not acting in love if you eat it. By the way, that has nothing to do with the McRib. Uh, the word distress here can be defined as worried, upset, um, suffer from anxiety, sorrow, or even pain. And I wonder, are the actions that we're taking in life, are they causing those around us to begin to have a distress in their life? What I do can cause emotional stress, emotional strain, or pain in the lives around me. 
Now here Paul is talking about food. Why? Why is he talking about food? Because food was a really big deal at that moment in Rome. Some people had the, the mindset, you should eat meat. And others said, you shouldn't eat meat. And there was this big discrepancy going on, even in the church, and it was causing discord or problems among the believers. Now, today, that's not as big of a deal, but we have a lot of other things that we bring into that, don't we? Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Should we get vaccinated? Should we not get vaccinated? Should we use hand sanitizer? Should we not use hand sanitizer? I mean, that's just the COVID things. What about the other stuff in life? So many different opinions, so many different thoughts. And we have this thought, and we need to resist this urge to carry along the mindset of it's all about me. We need to more closely look at this idea. If I do this, how will it affect my fellow Christian? Will it cause them to stumble? Will it cause them strain? Will it cause them emotional pain? You see, we discussed it a few weeks ago at our serve team meeting. For those of you that are part of our serve team, we had a, a get-together one night and we talked about leadership. And, and one of the things we talked about was John the Baptist's words. When Jesus came on the scene and Jesus began to baptize people, John the Baptist began to find his followers going to Jesus, but he began to find others in the, around the area going to Jesus. And some of John's other disciples, if you would, were looking at him and going, John, aren't you upset about this? You're the one baptizing first. And now this Jesus guy comes on the scene. And what was John's response? I must decrease and he must increase. That's the mindset that we have to take. It's not about me. It's not, oh, look at me, or I've got to have my way. It's I've got to give glory to God, give honor to God, promote God, give it all to him. Why? So that he can increase and I can decrease. I'm just the funnel that he uses. I'm just his vessel. The third thing that we see is my actions could cause other believers to be destroyed. That's big. All by my actions? Romans 14, the latter portion of 15, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Your actions as a believer can actually cause people to lose their faith. Well, if that's what a Christian is like, I don't want any part of it. Can I tell you, I've heard that way too many times. Well, I used to go to such and such church, but somebody did. Somebody said, this was done, and I haven't been back since. Please do me a favor, do yourself a favor. Never allow your actions to be someone's excuse to deny Jesus and go, their other, go the other way. Never allow your actions to be someone's excuse to deny Jesus and to go the other way. 
Why not live a life in such a way that you represent Jesus, that everything you say and that what you do and that where you go and the behaviors that you take upon resemble that of Jesus Christ? Does that mean that you won't make mistakes? No. We all make mistakes. We all have dumb moments. But what do you do in that moment? You, you go back and say, you know what? Man, I'm sorry. I responded out of me and not with Christ. Why? Because we want to represent him to the absolute best of our ability. The point that I want to make here is this, and I said it a few moments ago, one of the marks of a mature Christian life is that you become aware of how your actions have the ability to influence other people. Whether you realize it or not, people are watching you. When you're at the workplace, they're watching you. When you're at Walmart, they're watching you. One of my favorite things to do at Walmart, and I tell you this all the time, and it's going to happen to you one of these days, I love finding church folk sneaking up behind them with my shopping cart and just bumping them. Because I love to see your response. It's a little honorary, but it's a lot of fun. Sometimes I get this, oh, hi, pastor. And sometimes I get, oh, hi, pastor. <laughs> what's our actions, what's our responses like? Do they represent Christ? We can't have the idea of, if it's okay for me, then it really doesn't matter. We've got to take upon the heart of, how will my actions affect the people around me? See, Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8 says this, For we don't live for ourselves. Look at the other person, not the neighbor you talked to earlier, but the other one, and say, I don't live for myself. We don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. All that we do in life and in death, it's to be done in such a manner that brings glory and honor to God. So rather than damage or even destroy those around us, Paul takes the time to show us that we are to build one another up in the faith, to encourage one another and sharpen one another in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So very quickly, I want to give you four ways we build one another up. Four ways we build one another up. Number one, Recognize the value in one another. Recognize the value. Realize that those around you, those to your left and to your right, and those on the opposite side of the room have great value in the body of Christ. Verse 15, do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Again, you may not see eye to eye with them. They may drive you absolutely crazy. 
But that's really irrelevant. Jesus died for them. Jesus loves them enough that he willfully died on the cross of Calvary for them. Just like he died for you. And the Bible says that the moment we surrender ourselves to him, we are a new creation. We are a a new uh, believer. All that we used to be is now gone. and, And out of this new relationship walks a new life with Christ. The old is gone and the new is here. That's great value. He takes us from damaged to restored. From empty to full, from partial to complete. What does he do? He places great value in his people. So what right do we have to remove that value? Absolutely none. Yet we've got to take the moment to find value in those around us. Number two, focus on the important things of life. Focus on the important things of life. Verse 16, therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. What Paul is saying here, I believe, is is that food is not really the burning issue. The burning issue is that of eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. We must learn to focus on what's most important in life, not the trivial minor things. Truth be told, most church issues are over trivial minor things. What color should the wall be? What instruments should be on a worship team? Are the greeters smiling at the door? The list goes on and on. What we've got to realize is it's not about this personal advancement of what's in it for me. It's what can I do to further the glory of God to those that are coming into our building? Perhaps somebody that's coming into church, perhaps you're here today, right now, in this moment, you're giving Jesus one more try. And it's our responsibility to help you understand he's worth it. And I want you to know, if that's you, if you're here today and you're giving Jesus one more try, you're ready to throw in the hat, but you said, I'm going to give you one more shot today. I'm going to go to Encounter Church. I'm going to watch it online. I'm going to give you one more shot. I want you to know he sees you where you are. He loves you right now where you are, but he wants to see you grow in him. And that's where we come in. Our responsibility is to help you grow in your faith to become more of what Christ would have you to be. Way number three, not forcing my opinions on others. Now this one, this one's a little tricky. This one's a difficult one for us to wrap ourselves around because we can quickly jump into this mindset of, well, if that's the case, if I, if I can't force my opinions on somebody else, then maybe everything is acceptable. Maybe I can do anything I want. Or maybe we go into this legalistic approach and we ban everything. Right? Well, look what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. What does that mean? That means what I've got to remember is my goal. My goal, your goal, is to build one another up. There are certain truths that, that all Christians hold on to, but, but honestly, there are some things that aren't necessarily wrong, but they're not necessarily necessary. That's a lot of necessary in one sense. They're not necessarily wrong, but they're just not necessary. If you're in leadership, Man, any great leadership program you go through is going to tell you, as you move up this responsibility scale, as you move into greater leadership, you really have less rights. Why? Because now you're greatly concerned about those around you. There are some things that you may not see as, as wrong. The question we have is this. Do those activities bring you closer to God? Do they line up with, with God's Word? Can they potentially cause another believer to stumble? If so, something has to change. It's time for us to say, Lord, I'm going to put everything on the table for you. Lord, whatever I need to adjust, Lord, I'm willing to do that. To give it up to you, Lord, to, to offer anything and everything to you, to allow your life to come in alignment with the Word of God. And through every relationship, those in this building, those outside these walls to keep the main thing the main thing what is the main thing for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life John 3 16 the main thing is Jesus loves you and I want to do everything in my power to represent that well to the fullest of my capability. Number four, put action to your faith. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because, they, because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now, as we mature in our walk with God, we must learn to walk by faith and trust in the things of God. It's not always easy. But the more that we step out in faith, the more that we say, Lord, here I am, the more familiar we become with God's heart and God's desire. Why? Because suddenly we're hearing His voice because our heart's desire aligns with Him. And suddenly, as it aligns with Him, we are more in tune with His voice and we can hear what He has to say to us. 
Some people say, I, I, don't, I never hear the voice of God. And I wonder, are we taking the time to sit back and really listen? Or do we say, God, speak to me today. All right, what are we having for lunch? We've never given him time to speak into our hearts. We've never paused for a moment, never be still and know that he is God. We must learn to put action to our faith. To truly walk in step with the Spirit, not relying upon ourselves. Our, our text, Romans 15, 1. We who are strong, we have an obligation. You have an obligation. I have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. I would say to you today, Now is the time for a breakthrough. Now is the time for us to say, Lord, here I am. What are the things in my life that need to change? Lord, what are the things that I'm doing that they're not necessarily bad? They're not necessarily a sin? But Lord, they don't really honor you. And they have the capability of causing a, another person to stumble in their faith. And as he begins to share that with you, here's your challenge. Have the boldness to say, Lord, give it to you. Lord, Lord, I give it to you because it's really not that important. Because Lord, I, I want to I be who you've called me to be. I want to reflect you to the world around me. Not just on a Sunday morning, not just when I can bring that smile and say, oh, glory to God. But at the workplace, when the bosses just yelled at me. At Walmart, when the pastor just bumped me with his cart. In the neighborhood, when I'm trying to sleep at night and the neighbor is crazy loud. Lord, I want to represent you. I want to help those around me to bring their life in alignment, not with my desires, not with my plans, but to come in alignment with you. That's my goal. That's what Paul is getting at here. We've got to come to the place that we're willing, no matter what, to allow our lives to be that vessel that He can clearly run through. And the result, our lives changed for the glory of God.
Are you ready for that kind of breakthrough? It's going to take some work. It's going to take some willingness. But something has to change. Something has to change. Would you pray with me today? We're going to talk about a point from Pastor Chris's sermon that stood out to us today. So I really liked the first point that he made about recognizing the value in others. Mm -hmm. um, in Genesis, it says that we're all created in God's image. And to me, that means that we all bear the mark of our creator. And we all have value, dignity, and worth and need to be treated like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's really important that we treat one another with respect and value yeah. and dignity, especially as Christians, because we're mm -hmm. supposed to be modeling Christ on yeah. behavior on earth. Yeah. That's so good. And today, maybe you're sitting here and you hear that you're created in God's image. And you're saying, I don't feel like I'm created in God's image. I don't feel like I'm worthy of that label. And I just want to say today that you are. God loves you so much. He sent Jesus to this earth, lived a sinless, perfect life for you. See, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he had you in mind. And he was thinking, and I loved them so much. If they would only just give their life to me and make me the Lord and Savior of your life, and I would save them in an instant. And today he did that for you and he paid the price and you're worth it all. He would do it over again. If you were the only person that he came to die for, he would do it for you. So here in a moment, I want to ask you just in the chat to put, that's me, I want to receive Jesus or put a hand emoji to saying that's you. I encourage you to do that, but I'm going to lead you through a quick prayer. And I just encourage you to pray these words from the bottom of your heart. So let's pray together. Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, we want to thank you for joining us for service this week, and hopefully you can catch us next week, either online or in person, at one of our two campuses in Sedalia or Warrensburg. Yep. Thanks, guys. See you.